Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, we're talking about the popular hacker TV show, Mr. Robot. Now, this is a show that pulled me in from the first episode and kept my attention all the way to the end. And anyone that knows me knows I am super picky when it comes to television. I don't watch watch just anything. I didn't grow up with a lot of TV, so it has to be really good to hold my attention like this. And to his credit, Sam Esmail did the job. So, we're talking about the television show Mr. Robot on this episode of the Camera Journal Podcast. Get ready. Let's go. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. It's a place where we talk about important things. It's a place where we bring a little slice of the news to you. And it's a place where we do important things, have important conversations. It's also things that I like to talk about. My name is Cameron Cowan, and this is the Cameron Journal Podcast.
Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. I'm getting off here. I think you should come with me. This actually happened. I'm talking to an imaginary person. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. We are malicious and hostile. We do not compromise. We are relentless. That's why I wanted to come home. Someone's trying to make contact with me. Each number represents a letter. A is one, B is two, C is three. You can hear them too, right?
Mr. Robot has concluded its final season on USA, and season four did a great job of wrapping up the long plot and giving us major plot moments. If you aren't caught up on the show, there are some spoilers ahead. So if you aren't caught up on the series or you haven't watched it and you want to watch it, you might want to save this episode for later. This was a genuinely brilliant TV show. There's great acting from Portia Doubleday and Rami Malek, of course. There's a cast of newcomers throughout the show as well as seasoned veterans. B.D. Wong has been a breakout star and Carly Chaikin has also turned in a tremendous performance. In all the scenes Carly shares with Rami, she holds her own and does not recoil from his acting chops. She stays there in the moment and matches him. No easy thing when standing across from an Oscar winner. Christian Slater, who plays Mr. Robot's alter ego, has been absolutely amazing in this show. Martin Wallstrom, a Swedish actor, turned in a tremendous performance, as well as strong American psycho vibes. Grace Gummer also does a turn as the lesbian loner FBI agent tasked with taking down the F-Society hackers. The acting in this show is brilliant. The cinematography, lighting, and use of composition is absolutely amazing. And I think that's what makes this show so different. Hacker shows are difficult to do. Most of the time they end up showing simply impossible things and way too many people looking at far too many computer screens, typing with far too many keystrokes. Hackers are an interesting bunch. Many of them do what they do for fun or to prove that they can do something. There's also the financial rewards. We live in a world of big data. Data is the new gold, platinum, and diamonds. Data is probably more valuable and has a better return. This show demonstrates that when F Society, Elliot's team, finds a way to basically destroy the world, not with bombs or threats, but by destroying its data. The main thrust of the show is a group of hackers called F Society, and they use an elaborate plot to free the world from debt by erasing all the data of its financial transactions. Most of this data is held by a big evil corporation called E-Corp. Elliot is far from a valiant hero. He's addicted to morphine, a theme throughout the show. He's antisocial and has barely managed to show up to work at Allsafe, the company who handles information security for our big evil corporation. F Society releases Al-Qaeda-style videos announcing what they have done and taking responsibility for their attacks, which adds a delightful vintage element to the plot and the to the show's aesthetics that is unique and exciting. F Society hits its stride when they successfully manage to erase all the world's debt by erasing its data and encrypting it. The F Society hackers believe this will usher in a new renaissance of freedom and liberty for everyone. However, it becomes immediately obvious that instead of ushering in a new wave of freedom, it creates more chaos than usual, and society begins to somewhat break down. Mr. Robot constantly asks viewers some gnarly questions. How much do we believe in the system? Are we actually prepared to live without it? How much would you pay to bring back your dead relatives? How far are you willing to go? And most importantly, what are you willing to do to aid the revolution? God can help you. That's not what God does. He helps. Tell me, why didn't God help my innocent friend who died for no reason while the guilty roam free? Okay, fine. Forget the one-offs. about the countless wars declared in his name? 
Okay, fine. Let's skip the random meaningless murder for a second, shall we? How about the racist, sexist, phobia soup we've all been drowning in because of him? And I'm not just talking about Jesus. I'm talking about all organized religion. Exclusive groups created to manage control. A dealer getting people hooked on the drug of hope. His followers, nothing but addicts who want their hit of bullshit to keep their, their dopamine of ignorance. Addicts afraid to believe the truth. That there's no order, there's no power, that all religions are just metastasizing mindworms meant to divide us so it's easier to rule us by the charlatans that want to run us. All we are to them are our paying fanboys of their poorly written sci-fi franchise. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't listen to my imaginary friend, why the f should I listen to yours? People think their worship some key to happiness. That's just how he owns you. Even I'm not crazy enough to believe that distortion of reality. of God. He's not a good enough scapegoat for me. Do I take off a mask when it stops being a mask? When it's as much a part of me as I am? All I remember is I woke up three days later. And what happened in those three days? In season one, the idea of breaking the system was supposed to create a new society and break the back of control by wealthy elites. F society accomplished their goal, but also destroyed the world around them. On the surface, it seems that Angela and Elliot want to destroy E Corp for killing their parents. Angela is played by Portia Doubleday, Elliot Rami Malek. They both grew up in Washington Township, outside of New York City, where a nuclear plant was releasing chemicals that killed its workers. It's a common story in this country. However, it becomes obvious that this is only one part of the story. Mr. Robot transcends the sublime when we realize that Elliot is basically nuts. Season 1 sees all sorts of consequences for Elliot's actions, both big and small. There's much more to his crazy life than hacking. There's his drug dealer, Shayla, with whom he has sex, and her supplier, Vera, who, in a moment of alpha flex, basically tells Elliot to fuck off and that Shayla is his. Elliot seems to drop in and out of reality. He doesn't understand where Mr. Robot, the character who seems to be encouraging him to hack the world, is coming from and why he wants this so bad. It all seems very simple and straightforward until the hack happens, and the world and all the characters in our little drama start to see how weird things can really get. In season two, the aftermath of the hack begins to become obvious. The hack happens on the 9th of May, so they're referred to as the 5-9 attacks. 
Everything is fine at first, but then the financial system quickly collapses. The federal government begins investigating who managed to destroy the world, whether F society will be able to stay two steps ahead of the police and their Chinese compatriots, set up a battle of wills that will form the main driving force for the rest of the series. At the end of season three, it's pretty obvious that the new decentralized utopia is not working out. All safe, Elliot's employer, collapses overnight. Both Elliot and Angela are out of a job. Considering that Elliot basically goes missing, this isn't even noticeable. The whole world has been thrown into chaos. There's no records to indicate who owns what or if people own their own homes. It's a 2008 crisis, but far, far worse. F society is reeling. The feds are on their trail and someone is already eliminating people. Of the original team, two are missing and two are already dead. Society holds together at first, but things quickly spin out of control, and all sense of social order begins to peel away. It starts with protests, but soon gets far worse, especially as money basically ceases to have value. Things are heating up at E Corp as well. The director of PR shoots himself on live television. Angela is on scene as it happens. F Society has all but collapsed by the end of season three. Elliot is spinning out of control. He goes to jail for a minor crime and ends up living with his austere mother. Darlene, his sister, is out on the wind and the rest of F Society has been killed. Season 4 begins with a total wrap-up. The storylines of the FBI agent Darlene, Angela, and Elliot have all fallen together at a barn in upstate New York. There are possibilities and options that we might not have known or heard before. A character from season one loops back to the big reveal on Elliot and his psychosis, Fernando Vera, the major drug dealer, who was stunting on him against his girlfriend. Ultimately, he was the supply for Elliot's addiction, and in season one, it reappears to recruit Elliot to run his empire of crime in New York City. This leads to the big reveal of Elliot's life, which I'm not going to reveal to you. At least not right now. There are some light spoilers ahead, but this one's spoiler. I'm going to hang on to it for a little bit. This show is a thinker of sorts, and there are many things to think about. We have to understand Elliot and to understand the why and how of F society. What is up with his weird rituals of saving people's data on burnt CDs? Why does he manipulate his therapist so badly? This gets into his childhood and the mixed narratives, memories, both false and real, that make him who he is. Elliot, I need to ask you a question. Where do you think you are right now? What do you mean? Elliot. You know you haven't been staying with your mother, right? I know. When you get released, I hope you continue seeing me in my office. I think it's important we maintain our regular schedule. Don't you agree? Yes.
control can sometimes be an illusion. But sometimes you need illusion to gain control. Fantasy is an easy way to give meaning to the world. To cloak our harsh reality in escapist comfort. After all, isn't that why we surround ourselves with so many screens? So we can avoid seeing. So we can avoid each other. I don't think I'm ready to talk about it just yet. So we can avoid truth. I'm sorry for not telling you everything. But I needed this in order to get better. Please don't be mad too long. This will be the last time I keep things from you. I promise. I know what you're thinking. And no, I didn't lie to you. See you in the morning. All of this really happened. This was just my way of coping with it. But now, I'd like it if we could trust each other again. Let's shake on it. Do I take off a mask when it stops being a mask? When it's as much a part of me as I am? All I remember is I woke up three days later. What happened in those three days? One of the things that's obvious is that Elliot does not understand his own memory. His own past is as fractured as a psyche. Sam Esmail uses this as a liminal space. The show regularly breaks away to explore his past. Initially, Elliot thinks Mr. Robot is his dead father. But not only is Mr. Robot not the father, he isn't real. A reveal that makes for some amazing moments of Elliot fighting himself Fight Club style in the middle of a coffee shop. He finally realizes that Mr. Robot is not a ghost, but rather a broken part of his own mind. So what is real? What is a personal past? What can be known for sure? It is fairly obvious that he has a contentious relationship with his parents. His father's death due to cancer contracted when working at the toxic Washington Township plant is a great start to the show. However, we see the parental relationship come full circle when his mother dies. It's up to him and his sister Darlene to dispense with what's left of her life in the nursing home. Midway through season two and into season three, Elliot's living with his mother. However, by the end, she has grown sick and is living in a nursing home. She pops up in dreamlike sequences from time to time, always emotionally distant and austere. This journey takes up the entire run of the show, culminating in his discovery that he is actually a sexual abuse survivor. The show offers us three conflicts. One, man against the system. Elliot's reason for trying to destroy E-Corp from the inside is simple and yet complex. The company ruined his life. But that was an externalization of his own abuse. Do we blame society for our own traumas? 
How traumatic is the system really? How much are we responsible for ourselves? We are a part of society. Is this F society? Two, man against himself. Elliot has to fight addiction early in the show, and then has to fight the psychosis of being both himself and Mr. Robot, who's a manifestation of his aspirational father. And three, man against fate. The drug dealer relationship and storyline, which takes several seasons to finally pay off, has an interesting arc that includes a prison escape and an attempt to use talk therapy to convince Elliot that he can rule the world. Can Elliot escape his own fate? The main thrust of the plot all has to do with a seemingly socialist takedown of the world's largest company and bank. The hackers intend to delete all financial records, no debt and total freedom. It seems very straightforward. Destroy the world to set humanity free. But that isn't what happened. One thing that Mr. Robot makes obvious is the system is far stronger than we think it is. A central concept, especially in the early seasons of the show, is dismantling the current financial system. Although E Corp, or Evil Corp, becomes the primary target, as they're the largest bank in our fictional Mr. Robot universe, the whole point of the 5-9 attack is to set people free from debt. The theory of F-Society is that once society is set free from the banks by erasing all the records of debt, then society will immediately become a better place. People will truly be free to live their lives as they choose. It sounds delightfully utopian, but that's not at all what happens. In the days after the 5-9 attacks, F-Society anticipates that society will immediately improve. Destroying the system seems like a good idea until it's really gone. In fact, things get much, much worse. Businesses close, mass unemployment is everywhere, and cold hard cash becomes a commodity as all forms of debit card and credit card transactions become useless. In our electronic money world, this ends up being economically crippling. The hack was so perfect because all the data is permanently encrypted, or so we think, put a pin in that, and therefore it is unretrievable. That being said, the system is surprisingly resilient. A major plot point begins when E-Corp begins repatriating all the paper records of everyone's financials. The tensions between wanting to destroy the system and wanting to preserve it so society doesn't get worse is also the time Elliot begins to have a tension between the actions of Mr. Robot and his own actions. Because, and this is very important, although brilliantly played by Christian Slater, we figure out that Elliot and Mr. Robot are exactly the same person. Elliot falls away when Mr. Robot takes over, and as the world reels from the 5-9 attacks, this dichotomy becomes a central plot point and a problem. It doesn't take long for the system to respond to the attacks. E-Corp is a cutout of the American financial system. However, much like corporations, their powers reach far beyond merely running a business. This is illustrated in the storyline of the FBI investigation and government corruption. Dominique Pirro, the FBI agent played by Grace Gummer, fun fact, Meryl Streep's daughter, investigates the attacks but is thwarted at every turn by her boss who's been corrupted and is intentionally slow walking the investigation. You should know that nothing's gonna come from this. We were doing just fine. It's nice to finally meet you. 
This was better when I could just come and go as I pleased. When we were whole. Now I'm seeing things that he should be seeing too. We're just getting torn apart. You need to leave us alone so I can get him back to our work. Well, you never told me how attractive you are. You know, for a shrink, you're uh, pretty foxy. Thank you, but I'm more interested in talking about you. Come on. Never thought about it? Getting with one of your patients? That would cross some ethical boundaries for me. Sucks for you. Everybody knows crazy can be sexy. So you think you're crazy? Relax. It's a figure of speech. Can I ask for your name? Now, what does he call me? Mr. Robot. <laughs> Seriously? Still calls me that? Talk about labels. I'd like to talk about why you're here. A civilization which leaves so many of its citizens unsatisfied and drives them into revolt, neither has nor deserves the prospect of a lasting existence. Who said that? Freud. Wow. Beautiful and smart. Sorry. As beautiful as you are, you're not getting inside my head. Why not? Because before you found out about me, we were good. I'm trying to help him. You're not trying to help him. You're trying to destroy me. I'm not trying to destroy you. Quite the opposite, actually. I want to understand you. You understand shit. You're just another phony coos playing friend. That doesn't matter anymore anyway. Because of her, we've been compromised. She compromised us, and Elliot didn't see it. What do you mean you've been compromised? an aspect of the manipulation of the crowd mind and hive consciousness. There is a system as such and there is a narrative around that and there's a narrative of why the attacks happened. In one scene when Darlene is arrested by the FBI, they show her how much they really know about F society. It is a visual representation of every person, activity, real and relationship. It's meant to scare her into talking and ratting out her brother and her friends. So it leaves us with a question. Do we need to embrace the corporation? Are they the only ones who can save us in this world we're entering into? Mr. Robot at one point seems to make this argument. When the powers that be are removed from the equation, what should be a liberating moment becomes sheer chaos. And the show plays into this chaos both within Elliot and outside of him in society. As it turns out, revolution isn't so easy. One of the major stories going on in this show is how the public handles the hack and the breakdown of society. The public almost becomes a supporting character at times. 
The actions of the public begin to play heavily into the problems faced by F-Society hackers in the aftermath of the 5-9 attacks, and this occupies all of seasons 2 through 4. The bulk of the show has to do with the aftermath. No one fully anticipates the chaos brought on by erasing all the financial records in the dead of all people. It was supposed to set people free, and instead it triggers a near collapse of society. Everything begins to break down. At one point in season two, the US dollar is replaced by a corporate cryptocurrency called eCoin and becomes instantly convertible. Even the idea of having publicly owned money begins to fall away in the face of these issues as eCorp and the government tries to rebuild a sophisticated financial system essentially from scratch and tries to rebuild the records and data on which our society operates. This all adds together to show that a revolution, even when as simple as just erasing and encrypting all the data and quote-unquote setting people free, isn't quite as easy as it looks. And it's incredibly easy in a state of chaos, in a time of chaos, just as what the FBI does to Darlene, to manipulate people into doing things they would never ordinarily do. It becomes really obvious, especially at the beginning of season four, that Elliot is at the center of it all. One might not think that Elliot's childhood and his relationship with his mother and his sister Darlene would be that exciting and important, but as the show gets into its more esoteric third and fourth seasons, we begin exploring how and why his dad died. This subplot ends up anchoring season four. Elliot's father and Angela's mother were both killed by a faulty nuclear plant where they grew up in Washington Township. Angela at one point makes an effort to get the lawsuit going again and ends up working at E-Corp. It seems like she's trying to make change from the inside. She asks Philip Price, the CEO of E-Corp, why they would hire someone like her. He just laughs, get in his car, and drives away. She doesn't understand. Masters of the Universe are not like other people. Sometimes they do the counterintuitive thing to stop something, shut something down, or even to manipulate that consciousness again. It's a classic case of keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Interposed with that drama is the relationship between Elliot and Tyrell Wellick, played by Martin Wallstrom, who is angling up the corporate ladder at E Corp and really wants to be the chief technology officer. The seeming closeness between Tyrell and Mr. Robot, as well as the distance between Elliot and Tyrell, plays back and forth in season two and three until Tyrell Wellick goes off into the woods, sees something we're never shown, and dies. It is an odd relationship between them and how Tyrell sees Elliot and his hack as a way for him to continue to climb the corporate ladder. His blind and naked ambition becomes a driving force at least when Elliot becomes Mr. Robot. And then, despite Elliot being the center of it all, there's the Dark Army. And can they fix this whole mess? The Dark Army and a character we become to know as White Rose, played by B.D. Wong, don't figure in prominently until the later seasons of the show. But when we finally learn about the Dark Army and their enigmatic leader, a small accident at a nuclear power plant that killed some people suddenly goes from a pleasant subplot to a really big deal. Their leader, White Rose, is a Chinese minister who likes to cross-dress, and B.D. Wong turns in a masterful performance. If there's one thing we learn about the attack in E-Corp and the Washington Township plant is that it's all connected. There's a collapse of society and the effect on the members of F-Society, 
But then there's White Rose. White Rose is a very interesting character because not only does White Rose on by day go about as a prominent Chinese minister and by night as a delightfully gender fluid woman, but there's also the aspect of her obsession with time. At one point, she tells Elliot that he hacks data and she hacks time. Every meeting, every moment, every second is valuable to her. Everything in her life is timed to the second so that she can optimize every single moment. And this is brilliantly illustrated every time she's on screen. There's a constant timer, a constant pressure of time ticking by. But most importantly, despite that, Elliot doesn't understand that the person he thinks he's working with is actually the person he's fighting. When the hack starts, F Society erroneously thinks they're fighting alongside the enigmatic dark army in China, and that they're aligned against the corporate powers that control society. However, this soon proves not to be the case. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The dark army has its own agenda, the agenda of White Rose. White Rose has several priorities, not the least of which is completing her experiment that's housed at the Washington Township nuclear plant. Tis in some point, White Rose is responsible for the death of Elliot's father and Angela's mother. However, her desires for power transcend mere money. It is a desire to remake society. A society where she can be free to be both masculine and feminine, love another man, and have the ultimate power over life, death, and everything else. She enables Elliot to make the hack possible in the hopes that in the ensuing chaos, her power can increase and her own star can rise. You and your sister were in the room. You heard your father's footsteps. No. You think it's possible you hid Darlene in the closet to keep her safe? No. Your dad walked into the room. No. You grabbed a bat to defend yourself. No, 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 no. No. You yelled at him to get away. You swung the bat at him. No. And you escaped the only way you knew how. Why were you afraid of your father? Were you afraid he was going to ask you to do something you didn't want to do? what he asked you to do?
Yes, I remember. Elliot. Did your father sexually molest you? <laughs> yes. We are all commodities, especially our data. There is an endless amount of ways everything has become a commodity. Nearly everything can be bought and sold in our system. You can make money even as things lose value. People can be pawns in a game. Like two chess masters, Philip Price, the CEO of E Corp, and White Rose are like dueling chess masters. The rest of us, including Elliot and F Society, are just pieces on the board. When White Rose wants to slap the hand of E-Corp, their buildings explode, destroying most of the paper records. Fires break out across the country, even as Elliot, in a moment of rebellion from Mr. Robot, tries to stop it. He realizes that the situation is far bigger than just him and his own actions. There are bigger forces at play, and this is a big theme of the show. Are we people, or are we merely commodities to be bought, sold, and traded by the masters of the universe who have enough money and power to actually control things? Why do we fetishize things when things don't matter, only people? But what are people anyway in a world of commodity fetishism? If we are all our data and our value is not in our intrinsic existence, but in the data, money and data money that we produce, then can we simply be deleted? Can we ever be restored? In the final scene with Angela, this is all brought to a head. White Rose has promised Angela that she can bring her mother back to life, the ultimate power of life and death. However, just as she finds out that Philip Price is actually her father, she is eliminated. We never find out exactly what White Rose's machine can do, but she never has to restore Angela's mother to life. And there is no saving Angela either. Those relationships are more real than money and data. Money and data are powerful but even money and data don't have power over life and death. By the end of the show, the hackers, or what's left of them, realize their mistake and set about reversing what they've done. However, by this point, this is no easy thing to accomplish. In a violent turn of events, Dominique, Elliot, Darlene, and Angela all end up at a farm in upstate New York. After a series of wanton murders at the hand of the Dark Army, Dominique lets Elliot find the decryption codes to undo the hack and restore all the data back to where it was. However, they still have some tricks up their sleeve. Darlene, in a Robin Hood moment, gives away a bunch of e-coin, putting a lot of money in folks' pockets. Elliot, after 
several more violent attacks, difficult issues and other problems I won't bother going into now, wakes up from a medically induced haze and relives what he thinks would make him happy. Marrying Angela, with whom he's in love or not marrying Angela, opening a computer shop called Mr. Robot. He goes through all the potential realities of his life trying to find a dimension in which he can be whole and happy. When he comes back to reality, we are left with the haunting idea that it could have all been a dream. Was it a dream? Did everything over the four seasons of the show really happen? Or was that merely the goings-on of Elliot's own strange, broken, and fractured mind? Exciting time in the world right now. Exciting time. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Evil Corp. We are F Society. We are malicious and hostile. We do not compromise. We are relentless. I am here. You are alone. Remember how you felt when you were alone? You were in pain. You were miserable. That's why we're here. Those lonely nights when you sat and cried in your apartment. You begged us to help you. You asked us to come. You needed us to come. It's one thing to question your mind. It's another to question your eyes and ears that what we perceive isn't the real world at all, but just our mind's best guess. Round and round we go, you not knowing what you did or didn't do. I did this. Our infinite loop of insanity. Why is it so important for you to torment me? What is it that you care so much about? And why did you do it? I wanted to save the world. You're afraid. Afraid of your monster. Do you even know what it is? Now, find your monster and turn the key. You're not gonna do it, are you? Change the world change the world. This is the beginning of the end. We are F society. Like that, Rome falls. No more top 1% of the top 1%. It happened. No more controlling every piece of our lives. No more playing God without permission. We took them down. All of them. It doesn't fit. Why not? Isn't it obvious? You're not Elliot. Sorry, Kim. I'm crashing. Next, my consciousness will go. It's an exciting time in the world. There it is again. The overwhelming fear building. The burrowing. The nesting. The scream. <laughs> the panic isn't settling in anymore. The scream in my mind is coming back. How did you start? He needed me. Why? 
If you're here to protect him, that means he got hurt real bad. You're nothing. This is the key to my old bedroom. We hid the key so the monster couldn't get to us. What's your monster? No matter what anyone tries to do, I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone again. Thank you. I avoid myself. I'm afraid. Do I even exist? See me, Elliot Alderson. I am here. I'm the real Elliot Alderson. Is any of it real? You're no more Elliot Alderson than I am. You're just like me, only a part of it. And if you don't let go, he'll never get back to living his own life. You're not Elliot. You were the mastermind. Colonel Panic. I've been here since the first day that I was needed. I exist for a reason. I always have. It's always been my job to protect him. You love him so much, you wanted to save the entire world so you could make it better for him no matter the cost. I love you. I love you too. Now it's time for you to give that control back to the host. The real Elliot. That's all for this episode of the Cameron Journal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners, so please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Carolyn on Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal Podcast. <laughs>